Dear Lord God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. From our reading from Paul's letter to the Philippians, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. Today is the beginning of the holiest week of the church year, the week when we walk with Jesus through the final days of his earthly life. We hear the same story year after year, and yet it never fails to pierce us. Jesus was completely innocent of any wrongdoing, and yet he was betrayed, mocked, scorned, and crucified just a few days after people were strewing palm branches along his way as he rode humbly into Jerusalem on a donkey. Reliving the story each year is a very important exercise. If we really enter in, we will learn something new each time, new about ourselves, and most importantly, something new and deeper about Jesus and the nature of God. This has been true for Christians throughout the centuries. The observance of Holy Week as we know it today has its roots in fourth century Jerusalem. Cyril, the Bishop of Jerusalem at the time, saw that pilgrims just naturally flocked from far and wide to Jerusalem every year in the week leading up to Easter. They would walk the path that Jesus walked that last week. They would pray. They would sing. They would read from scripture. They would lament. It was clear that they wanted to be close to Jesus, just as close as they possibly could be. And physically being there really helped them to experience the story in all its fullness. So Cyril wrote liturgies for each of the days to be used at each of the sacred sites. And when the pilgrims returned back to their homes all over the Roman world, they took these liturgies with them. And over time, they became normative everywhere. They are a very important part of our Christian tradition. The Holy Week services in our Book of Common Prayer that we'll be using this week are greatly influenced by Cyril's fourth century liturgies. So today, we are part of an experience that is quite ancient and yet never grows old. Just like those early pilgrims, we relive the story with palm branches and shouts of Hosanna and the highest. And then we join our voices with those who mocked Jesus and demanded his death. It's quite humbling to come face to face with the vicissitudes of our nature and our propensity for sin. Peter's words of denial are our words of denial. When someone recognizes him as a friend of Jesus, Peter says, I do not know the man. How do we deny Jesus 
each day. How does each one of us deny him? Just asking that question makes me feel very uncomfortable this morning, but it's an inescapable question for each one of us today. It's a question that I feel called to ask myself as we enter into this week. But as we ask it, we don't do it for the purpose of self-flagellation. We do it for the purpose of growing closer to Christ and putting on the mind of Christ. In the letter to the Philippians, Paul says, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. That is a very high bar. How can we possibly put on the mind of Christ? Jesus, who was the one perfect human being, the one who so emptied himself of self, so emptied himself of ego, that he could completely be filled with God's self. Jesus gave up his own power to receive ultimate power. And that power, that God-given power, is what enabled him to refuse to defend himself to earthly authority as he was being tried and condemned to death. That God-given power is what helped him to endure the betrayal and the mocking and the flogging, being nailed to a cross and completely abandoned, utterly and completely, except by God. In Luke's gospel, Jesus' last words from the cross are, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Jesus was faithful to the very end, dying as he lived, trusting in God's provision, even unto death. Jesus, when he utters these words, is quoting Psalm 31. Scholars believe that this psalm was used as a bedtime prayer for Hebrew children. Jesus had perhaps been saying this since he was a very young child, being tucked in each night learning from a very early age to release his spirit into God's hands as he finished each day, assured of God's care for him. Into your hands I commend my spirit. And he offered that same prayer on the cross, that prayer that was probably so woven into him, that prayer that was as natural as breathing, one that he had offered over and over and over again. Jesus, this morning, is offering us a profound example of holy living, a profound example. God, into your hands I commend my spirit. Trusting God when times are good and when times are very, very bad releasing our spirit into God's spirit. When we are bearing our crosses to picture Jesus on the cross and knowing that he is with us in our pain, just as we try to be with him in his pain this week. When things are darkest in our lives, when we have done all that we can do and we're absolutely depleted of all further resources. We can relinquish our hold on the outcome 
as we say, Lord, into your hands I commend my spirit. This prayer is in the service of Compline in our prayer book. Compline is a beautiful service at the end of the day. Compline means complete. So when we pray this service, we're completing our day with God. It's a grown-up bedtime prayer. And we can offer this prayer, mindful that Jesus may have offered it every day of his life on earth, and even as he died on the cross. When we picture him on the cross offering this prayer, we have the strength to bear our crosses. We are never, ever alone, no matter what. We human beings have a hard time persevering when we rely on our own strength. But when we rely on God's strength, God's strength, we have staying power. That perhaps is why Jesus also offered another prayer on the cross. In fact, immediately after he was crucified, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. The soldiers who crucified Jesus were just following orders, or so they were thinking, I'm sure. The minds of the religious leaders and Roman authorities who condemned Jesus were corrupted by the distorted worldviews. They thought Jesus was a threat, and they were right. Jesus was a tremendous threat. He was a tremendous threat because of the institutions that bestowed their power upon these men. Jesus was a threat, not in a violent way. He didn't come to take everyone by force. He came in peace. But he spoke truth to power. Jesus was a threat by his very nature and his commitment to living out God's call on his life. Jesus lifted up the lowly and filled them with good things. He preached justice. Jesus came to show us the way, the way of love, God's love. And that is wonderful and powerful and deeply, deeply threatening. Wonder-filled if you are oppressed, powerful if you are powerless, and threatening if your power comes from human institutions. We get so caught up in the webs we're in, our minds become corrupted by thinking the way that the systems that we're enmeshed in call us to think. We get so entangled that we often can't see the truth standing right in front of us. Jesus knew that, and yet he called us to another way. He called us to compassion because he had compassion. He wanted us to live God's way in the world, and immediately after he was nailed on the cross, he uttered those words, forgive them, for they know not 
what they do. Putting on the mind of Christ means that we too are called to live lives of compassion, to forgive when it is very hard to forgive, to love when it is extremely costly. And to do that, to do that for others because we have been forgiven so very much, we often do not know what we do. Our minds become so co-opted by dark forces and we often are not even aware that it's happening. Putting on the mind of Christ means coming to consciousness, becoming aware that this struggle is always going on and making a daily and hourly commitment to think like Jesus thought, to pray as Jesus prayed, to love as Jesus loved. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited. Taking the form of a slave, being found in human likeness.